Podcast. Sisters podcast where we cover scary movies and all things spooky. I'm Hannah and I'm Paris. Uh, in honor of our very first episode, we are going to be talking about one of the most iconic horror films of all time, The Exorcist. Ooh. Do you believe in demonic possession? You know, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I believe in spirits. I believe in the other world. Just not sure if they can possess people. You know what I mean? What about you? Do you believe? Absolutely, I do. I think uh, I think that evil entities can have influence over people and and ruin lives. Uh, but in any case, William Peter Blatty was inspired by a real life possession and exorcist or exorcism when he wrote The Exorcist in 1971. The mysterious case of Roland Doe, aka Ronald Hunkler. It's kind of <laughs> Roland Ronald. <laughs> they're they're Roland like, hmm, Ronald. how do we make his identity a mystery? <laughs> Roland. <laughs> it seeps through the pages of the novel. Uh, in 1940s Maryland, Hunk, a 13-year-old boy, Hunkler, lived an average life Hunkler? with his... Hunkler? That's Hunkler? his last name. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know. He's a hunk. Ooh. No, just, hunk, I don't know. I don't know what he looked like. Hunkler. I'd like that to be my last name. Yeah. Hannah Hunkler. <laughs> you know what? That that fits really well, actually. <laughs> but anyway, it really seeps through the pages of the novel. In 1940s Maryland, Hunkler lived a... Th- he was 13 years old, and he lived an average life with his Lutheran family. Ronald was especially close to his, his aunt, a spiritualist, who taught him how to use a Ouija board. After her passing, the family began hearing strange scratching noises in the night. Ronald started experiencing paranormal activity, claiming someone was coming in his room at night. Uh, side note, parents, probably <laughs> you, should ch- you should inquire more about that if your kid tells you someone's coming in their room at night. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, no big deal. Just, <laughs> maybe they thought it was like sleep par- par- paralysis. Par- paralysis? <laughs> paralysis. <laughs> night tears? I maybe. I'd probably be concerned. Um, and he also started seeing objects moving. Uh, the family eventually resorted to an exorcism during which Hunkler spit, urinated, vomited, spoke Latin, uh, which he had never spoke before. Uh, thankfully, he was eventually exorcised of whatever evil was inside of him, and he went on to live a normal life without memory of the incident. The real-life possession isn't the only spooky tale connected to the exorcist. The cast and crew experienced many strange occurrences during filming. The set caught fire, burning everything except Reagan's room. There were several deaths, one of them being Jack McGrowan, whose character Burke Dennings dies in the movie. William Friedkin, the director, was warned by a priest that any attempt in exposing the devil would result in trouble. Nice. You know, <laughs> I'll ha- I have to say, I think the death is weird. I will say that's like kind of creepy. But I do kind of believe that the director did set the set on fire because he was a weird guy. Well, one of the theories was that a bird got caught in like an electrical outlet but you know if you were to ask the cast and crew i watched a documentary on it and they were all pretty convinced that there was some sort of evil happening or at least most of them were 
most of them, yeah. I mean, the direct the, the director <clears throat> would shoot guns to to make it realistic. He was a weird guy. Well, you know, you gotta really you gotta you gotta go the extra mile you to know, make a then, good movie. And maybe that's why he set the set on fire. He was like, okay, I'm gonna make these people believe that creepiness is going yeah, on. Yeah, and so he also kept it spooks. super cold on set. So when you can in the movie when you see their breath, it's because it's actually freezing in there. So he basically tormented them to get a good movie. But you know what? It's you enjoyable. You do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Make a good movie. Anyway, with all that backstory, let's just hop into the movie. Movie time. <laughs> okay. The film opens with an archaeolo- archaeological dig site in northern Iraq. Um, we meet Marin, an elderly priest who discovers a figurine of Pazuzu. And oh. he should have Iran. Because he's in Iraq? He was Iraqing, but he should have been Iraning. Iraning. <laughs> okay. He, yes, he should. Anyway. <laughs> uh, he also finds a medallion, which will come into play later on in the movie. Um, it's also established that he's in poor health. He's taking some sort of medication. We don't really know what it is. Um, oh, bitch. He seems very concerned over his Pazuzu discovery, as if he has some knowledge of the entity and what's to come. Um, it's also mentioned later in the movie that Marin has experience with demonic possession, so it's possible he's encountered Pazuzu before. Um, and, and the scene ends with him looking at a large statue of Pazuzu, as if it's about to, as if a battle is about to begin or be finished. Done. And now we cut to our leading lady, Chris. Uh, she wakes up hearing noises in the house, assuming it's rats. We find out that she's an actress filming a movie in Washington, D.C. Uh, she her- got that money. Yeah, she does. She has two housekeepers <coughs> and an assistant and living in a nice house next to a church. And Anyway, um, on her way home, she catches a glimpse of Father Karras and is pretty curious about him. I would be, too. Sexy priest? He's a sexy priest. Father. You know, I realized, I thought he looked like somebody. I thought he was already famous. Well, I mean, he is famous. But I thought he was, um, when I thought he was a wrestler, he's that, what, Rocky? No. Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. That's what I thought he looked he, like. There, there's, a, there's a resemblance there. But it's also kind of funny because, you know that thing about men riding women, right? Yeah. Like, she bounced she breasted boobily down the stairs. <laughs> he breasted boobily down yeah, the stairs. But you know what I mean? Especially like, you know, how uh, Stephen King writes or whatever. Anytime they describe a female character, it's like, it's, nipples. it's all the titties. <laughs> um, but when it's so funny because in the book, when he doesn't, the author, Blatty, doesn't talk about like what the women look like at all, which I kind of appreciate. But he's he's pretty into his priest character, Father Karras. He's like, his big strong hands. Ooh, little, and little gay for <laughs> for priest priest Karras. Maybe, maybe you no, know, no, no, no shame, too. no shame. But he was he was very much so into this priest character, and you know what? It worked. <clears throat> anyway, mm. at home we are introduced to the household, uh, including her daughter Reagan, uh, her assistant Sharon, and then also her two servants. Uh, Reagan's father isn't around, but they seem to be a pretty happy family. Um, next, we officially meet Damien Karras, a disillusioned priest, on his way to visit his sick mom. 
And as he's getting on the subway, a bum tells him to <laughs> that he used to be an altar boy and was a Catholic. And Karis is basically like, ew. Ugh. No. Homeless people. None for me, thanks. Disgusting. Um, but th- keep that in your back pocket because it will come back into the story. Oh, and this is also Jason Miller. That's his real name. Uh, that's his first acting credit. And I think he did a really good job. That's awesome. He did do a really good job. Especially because he was older. You know, he was in his 40s. And he's done nothing before, like... I mean, I didn't do an extensive deep dive into what his career had been before then, but that was his first acting credit on IMDb. That's awesome. Um, So we flash back to Chris, who has discovered that Reagan has been playing with the Ouija board, uh, and that she's been in contact with an entity called Captain Howdy, uh, not cool. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let my kids be playing a we- with a Ouija board. But maybe the seventies was a different time. Me neither. I mean, it was uh, made by Hasbro, right? So well, or that was the. <laughs> so they're like, look at this fun toy. Was it made thing. by Hasbro? Um, or maybe Hasbro made a Ouija board. I don't know if that was the case back in the seventies. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll cover the history of the Ouija board. But I don't. Be fun. I don't fuck with that stuff. Me neither. Also, Captain Howdy, what a what a name. <laughs> Captain Howdy. The demon was like, what, like what can I name myself? He's like, hey, little girl, I'm Captain Howdy. I'm Captain Howdy. You can trust me. I'm Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. <laughs> I love them whiskers. Captain Howdy. Or <laughs> it reminds me of in South Park's The, the Christmas Pooh. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> yes. What is it, Mr. Hanky? Miss, oh, that, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I'm Captain Howdy. I'm Captain Howdy. <laughs> Um, the next day, the church next to them has been vandalized. The Virgin Mary uh, has big pointy boobies and yeah. um, has a magnum dong. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think she she needs a magnum dong. She needs a magnum. She, she needs magnum it. condoms for her magnum dong. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe out there. If if God used magnum condoms, then we wouldn't have Jesus. That's blasphemous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're going to be possessed by Pazuzu next, probably. <laughs> uh, next, we learn that Karis's mother is in a psychiatric facility due to her, her dementia. Um, he feels guilt that he can't provide a better living condition for her, you know, with the, with the priestly vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, he's just drifting further and further away from her, his faith. Um, and... So in the next scene, Chris is having a swanky party where she's speaking to a rather flamboyant priest, Father Dyer, who is uh, Karis's friend. And she also learns that Karis's mother has passed away in that time also. We also see that her director, Burke Dennings, is a belligerent drunk and is harassing the servant Carl. Tell me. What's the public relations you did for the Gestapo walks? Community relations. Um... And then actually, so he's going to die later on in the movie, right? And But there's this kind of side plot that was left out of the movie where, um, so you, you're, he's harassing Carl a lot and being mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a Nazi. And so the, the detective that eventually will investigate his death thinks that Carl is involved with it somehow. But that, they left that side plot out of the movie, which I'm okay with because it was kind of boring. Um, <clears throat> but the party is rudely interrupted 
when Reagan comes out of bed and displays the most aggressive display of dominance <laughs> I've ever seen, and she just pisses all over the floor. You know, that's how I start a party. The party don't start till I piss on the floor. That's how you know it's a good party. It's that's when it that's when things get wild. <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny because like later that night, <laughs> so she like puts she puts Reagan to bed. Chris puts Reagan to bed. And, uh, you know, she thinks she's sick, and uh, but she goes down the stairs, and her housemate, her, her housemate is cleaning the rug, the pee out of the rug, and she's like, is it coming out? <laughs> How can you tell if pee is coming out? I guess a smell, yeah? I guess so, but it's... it's so, so, she's, so, she, so she's on the floor, and her hands are moving, like... <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, after. maybe. It's just funny to me that she has her, her maid, this old elderly lady, cleaning her daughter's what, pee. Why else would you have a maid? That's a good Gotta point. Got to clean pee off the floor. That's a good point. I guess that's a side of life I'll never know. <laughs> anyway, later that night, uh, Chris hears a commotion in Reagan's room and finds that her bed is violently shaking. Um, I would move out at this point. I would move out of the house. I would maybe... Get some smudge. Get sage the house a sage, little bit. Sage, smudge. Say your prayers. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not religious, but if we re- like really creepy shit, where is happening in my house, I'm doing all of. I, I'm calling off all the gods. You know. Yes, agreed. Anyway, as uh, Reagan's condition escalates, Chris seeks out medical treatments with no answers. The doctor can't find anything. She has a brain scam. Scan the doctor says she there's a nothing. brain scam. Yeah, she's got a brain. <laughs> her brain she's, is scamming her. Well, she's scamming those doctors. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, she she has a brain scan, and the doctors can't find anything. They can't. They wouldn't find anything in my head either. There's nothing here. There's nothing in here. <laughs> uh, but Chris doesn't trust doctors. That's another another side plot that was uh, left out. Is that uh, Chris has a doc had a son that passed away and we can kind of gather that it's due to a doctor's negligence in some way so she's she's not really jiving with these doctors you know some doctors just be ass sometimes you know i i agree that's true it's very true it's hard to trust doctors sometimes they they are a leading cause of death yes reagan is essentially on bed rest and she gets worse and worse there's a scene where she's being jerked around in her bed um again but this is this is she's actually truly injured in this scene uh there's something went wrong with the stunt basically she had like a brace tied to her back and it was flinging her up and down and it became loose and it was hurting her so when you hear her she's actually in pain and the director was like this is perfect it's perfect realistic yeah it's actually she is actually hurt it's awesome um but the doctors are called to the house and they're like she's just crazy it's loony. Just loony. <laughs> um, so and now Chris is put even under more pressure when she's told that the director, Burke, is found dead outside of her building. Um, in the next scene, we see Reagan sees a hypnotist, and her face contorts into, like, something demonic. Again, another th- thing I would be like, oh, this is not mental illness. <laughs> like, you know? You know, but at least they, in the movie, they didn't go be like, the first thing that happens, they're like, oh, it's it's the demons. At least they tried to rule it out with, like, the doctors yeah. and the psychiatrists and all those things, which Not me. I appreciate. When my kids misbehave, I'm like, you're possessed by the devil. You're possessed by they're the devil. They're po- <laughs> little demons. But also in movies, it's like, kind of like um, normal to just kind of just dive right in and st- instead of uh, 
like kind of ruling it out. Yeah, we got to build up to it. Um, but also in the scene, she grab, <laughs> grabs the hypnotist's ball sack and, uh, and then bitch slap, slaps him. <laughs> With his ball sack? <laughs> yes. No, that would improve the, improve the movie. Even I think more. I would have liked it better if that happened. <laughs> Just rips off his ball sack <laughs> and slaps Slap. him with it. Uh, no, that didn't happen. But I listened to an analysis of the movie, and something that somebody pointed out was that in the scene, Reagan is sitting in a chair and she has her right hand raised and then when we see that uh, statue of Pazuzu he has his right hand raised Ooh! so little little easter egg there there's lots of little easter eggs in the movie I yeah. like it yeah I like rewatching and finding new things that like you're like oh that's yeah cool. and also in the analysis um so Pazuzu is supposed to be like a mix-up of all sorts of different animals mm -hmm. and then if you look at the artwork that Reagan had produced it's a bunch of different animals so that might be a connection, or maybe kids just like to draw animals. Whichever, whichever you believe. Um, where were we? That's fine. Okay, so now we meet Detective Kinderman, uh, who's investigating Burke's death. He consults Karis, and and he tells him that Burke's head was actually twisted all the way around, and he thinks that he was <clears throat> murdered by a large man and then tossed out Reagan's window. Um, and, but, and, and he also thinks it was connected to the, uh, the church's desecration, and he's not wrong. But he also, he also wants to be buddies with Karis, it seems. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? I do. Karis is pretty cool. He's a cool guy. Cool guy. But uh, anyway, so doctors suggest to Chris to perform an exorcism um, as a treatment for her mental disorder, kind of like the placebo effect. Um, but she definitely... Oh. But she's actually possessed by a demon. So she it's, is, it's not a placebo. So, it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be effective. Chris hits her breaking point when she finds Reagan stabbing her vagina with a crucifix and turns her head all the way around and speaks in Burke's, Burke's voice. Well, they don't describe it as stabbing. They describe it as masturbation, which I don't get because that's not yeah. how I masturbate. That, well, yeah, it is more like sensual in the book. Like she's like, yeah, it's sensual. I don't want to say it, but, but it's like a thing. But also a real dick move on Pazuzu's part, you know? Yeah, like with come on, the man. stabbing. Why are you fucking up my vagina? I need that. Come on. <laughs> and it, it, like, again, it really doesn't look like masturbation. She's, there's blood everywhere. And she's not, the angle from which she's going at it doesn't suggest masturbation to me. It suggests a stabbing. Um, but, you know, I would, uh, I would rather see her stab herself. Than, yeah, I don't want to see a child masturbate. masturbate. Um, That's not on my to-do list. So she, t she takes Chris's head and shoves it in her bloody crotch. And <laughs> and she throws her across the room. And this is, again, there's another real injury on set. Uh, so her cry is an actual cry of pain because something had gone wrong with the stunt or it was too violent. And uh, so she got really hurt. Well, the director, she was saying um, to the director, like, hey, this hurts. I don't, can you, like, be tame about it? Can you, like be more gentle and he was like yeah for sure and then he eyed the uh stunt man or like the guy who, who was in charge of that and he was like, did like a no 
yeah do it hard and that's what happened so i think that yeah. was on purpose he's like shut up you silly dame <laughs> uh you silly women silly woman Anyway, uh, so she finally seeks out Karis to perform an exorcism, and he's he's pretty skeptical. Again, he's lost his faith in God, and if there's if, if he has no faith in God, he has no faith in demons. Um, uh, but Chris is certain Reagan murdered Burke at this point, and Karis agrees to see Reagan as a psychiatrist. Which later, hello, it's Pazuzu. It's Pazuzu. Which later, um, I think when she turns her head around, she speaks. Yeah, in, in, Burke's, uh, in voice. Burke's voice, yeah. which is a confirmation that she did kill indeed him. Yeah. kill him. Um, so Karis visits Reagan, and she looks like shit. She looks definitely possessed. Uh, she, she, tells, like she looks like shit. Uh, she tells Karis that she's the devil, um, and then also repeats what the bum says earlier. In the bum's voice. Uh, sure, I think. And you're helping all all the boy father. Reagan. Also, uh, she mentions his dead mother, which uh, she, she, there's no way Reagan would know about that unless she was possessed. And then she projectile vomits in his face. Which is actually pea soup. Yeah, so still no dice from Father Karras. Um, he visits Reagan again and encourages an exorcism, and Reagan encourages an exorcism to bring them closer together. Uh, tele- she has oh, telekinetic powers. She opens up a drawer. She speaks foreign languages and but Karis, he's still, you know, he's still pretty skeptical. Willfully in- ignorant, yeah. I would say. And he, he decides he's going to trick Reagan and use tap water instead of holy water, to which Reagan has a really bad reaction to, and she begins speaking in tongues and scary voices. It's funny, because he tries to trick her, but the demon is actually just fucking with him yeah, at the end. because that's really his real goal. That's the demon's real goal, is to just take to, down religious people and godly people. And I think godly to possess people. Caress in the end. I possess think that's Caress? Goal. Caress, I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it just rhymed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, still no dice on Karis's part until he, later that night he listens to the recording that he took of Reagan and he listens to it backward where she says, uh, fear the priest, Marin. And, and then after that, he's called over by Sharon to see that Reagan has the words help me written under her skin and her arms are also tied. So she's not unable to do it. And he's not convinced still that she's possessed. Um, I think he's kind of like, like, not. Con- I, I wouldn't say he's not convinced, but I think he has he's doubt. There. I think he has there. doubt in in his heart about you know his religion, his faith, and God. So he's kind of committed to that, and so it's hard for him to, um, you know, believe that there's an actual demon. Right. There's a part because, you know, he's going through this shit time. His mom died in a psychiatric hospital alone. And he's like, well, no good God could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's but he is he's like, OK, well, there's probably enough evidence to at least do an exorcism. So um, the church grants permission and sends Marin to perform the exorcism with care. The church is like, yeah, this girl's fucking possessed, man. Yeah. Yeah. Get that shit. Get she that meets. Shit out. She meets the checklist of possession. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, as soon as Marin uh, enters the house, Reagan calls his name. 
Um, and Karis tells him she has multiple personalities inside of her. And Marin says, no, it's There's just only one. one. Right? Because this, is, again, is further evidence that he's in- encountered Pazuzu before. This isn't his first rodeo. This ain't his first rodeo. That was really bad. Sorry, guys. This ain't his first rodeo. <laughs> um, he's ride tons of bulls. Yeah. <laughs> he's grabbed the bull's balls. He's grabbed the bull's balls and f- flung them out of people. Okay. <laughs> uh, Marin warns to not respond to the demon's taunts. Um, the uh, Because everything the demon says is lies. Lies. Damned and lies. And doesn't, didn't he say that he also mixes, the demons also mix in the truth? Yeah, they'll the take lies. the, like any good liar, they take bits of the truth and contort it into something else. To make it believable. To make it, yeah, to make it believable. Um, so the exorcism begins and the room is freezing. And we also, something else interesting is that we see wind always blowing into Reagan's room. And it turns out Pazuzu is the god of the winds. Oh, really? And also, uh, uh, he's associated with disease also, so that kind of explains why she's uh, puking everywhere. And she looks like shit. And she looks like shit. <laughs> so, the, anyway, they begin the ritual, and uh, <laughs> Reagan delivers some pretty sick burns, like, uh, stick it up her ass, and she... Your ha- mother sh- sucks cocks in Your hell. Your mother sucks cocks in hell, Karis, which is probably my favorite line in the movie. That is my new burn to anybody that wrongs me. <laughs> Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Anybody wrongs me. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Um, and then she spits a loogie in, in Marin's face. So not cool. Um, Karis is feeling convinced now. He, or he's, he's feeling more convinced. Took the, this long. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's looking really scared. And he's like, oh, shit, there's, there's really something out there. Because um, the bed is levitating way off the ground. Um, and he's also seeing flashes of the demon over Reagan's face. Which isn't that demon, um, the stunt double actress? I don't makeup? know. I could have sworn I uh, saw that in the... the research i was yeah doing. i mean i know there was a stunt double for reagan so mm-hmm. it's very possible and actually that's who was doing the masturbating scene with the crucifix yeah um is, i thought is, it was like a mix of the two because i know because um in the interview she she said that she was stabbing a box and she had no clue what she was doing she was just stabbing the bloody box stabbing that box <laughs> she was she was stabbing that box get my box stabbed Gross. Um, So as the ritual continues, uh, walls are caving in. The room is shaking. Also, so to do that stunt, they had the set room that on like wheels, you know, and they would actually shake the entire room. Um, So that was a pretty cool little special effect there. And she vomits on (laughs) Marin's scarf, and then they rinse it with water, and then you know he just puts it back on. So. There's that. In a scene where um, she threw up on Karis, where she threw up on his face, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't appreciate that too much. I don't think I, I would either. And but they kept it in because it was like, no, well, that's a, a good shot. shot. You can't waste it. I like the director. He's like, well, the actors don't like any of this. Well, I'm putting it in my movie. You know, what, whatever works. Whatever works. Whatever works. You got to get that genuine reaction. That's how you make the money. That's how you make a good movie. Uh, so Disrespecting your actors. 
<laughs> scaring them and traumatizing them. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, Reagan's straps have come undone, and she's levitating fully off the bed now, and her eye- eyes are totally white. Um, and this is where we hear that iconic line, the power of Christ compels you. Um, but after this, they, they take a little break because exercising demons is pretty tough. It's tough. It's hard work. Because you got to take a break. Back break. You got to take a little break. But Marin goes to take his drugs. So, because again, he's not well. He's not feeling well. And, um, an old man. Yeah, Karis hears. Uh, actually, they did a lot of aging makeup on him. He wasn't. Oh, act- yeah, he was yeah. young. When yeah. He wasn't. He's probably about. Like about a couple decades later, because he was in Game of Thrones, he played the oh, really? three-eyed a raven, oh, sure. and he was more closer to that age, like decades later, than he was in when he played the old man. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, what do you know? Um, but anyway, so Karis hears a commotion in Reagan's room. He goes up there while Marin's gone, and he's t- the demon is taunting him and uh, saying, "Oh, you weren't there for your mother." And Karis uh, uh, is pretty upset by it. It's really affecting him. Um, and then so Marin walks in and he sees this emotional outburst from Karis and he's like we can't have that you know the demon's just fucking with you just fucking with you don't take them seriously and uh, so he tells him to leave the room and he does uh, but when he comes back into the room he finds that Marin is dead and uh, Reagan is just untied again sitting on the bed and laughing Karis is like I'm gonna fuck I'm this gonna fuck kid this up. Bitch up, yeah. And he uh, t- tackles her down, and he bitch slaps her. Um, it's your cat. Oh, and um, so yeah, he tackles her down. He starts punching her, and then he says, "Take me instead." And Pazuzu was like, "Okay, okay, yeah. all right, all right, bitch. this is my plan." That was what time. he wanted the whole time. Um, and, and you see this kind of battle between with Karis and the demon um, within himself where he wants to kind of hurt Reagan and he's being overtaken by the demon. So in a somewhat Christ-like sacrifice, he jumps out the window. Yeah, because he knew that was the only way to banish the demon to hell. Yeah. He was like, I gotta, this is the only way. Which, you know, we Respect. mentioned, we were talking about this the other day, how it reminded us of Smile. Smile. Yeah. Yeah, because she, she could have just went out in the middle of nowhere and just offed herself and ended the curse but she didn't do that she didn't do that and she continued the demon curse Curse, yeah and that's not cool be more like father karis exactly respect to father karis yeah to daddy karis so uh, at some point in time uh, kinderman the detective came um and chris and him walk into the, the room and reagan's crying um, she's pretty busted up, but she's back to normal. She's herself again. And, and you know, K- Kinderman's looking around the room. Marin's dead. <laughs> this window's busted open. Karis is dead outside. Got a, like, fucked up looking kid on the floor crying. Um, so I don't know how he's going to explain that one away to his superiors. But, you know, I get, we won't concern ourselves with that. Um, outside the window, we see that Karis is dying, but luckily, well, not luckily, but his friend, uh, Father Dyer shows up, and we can only assume that, you know, Karis has reconnected with his faith, um, and, and so the, his friend Father Dyer does, what does he do? Like this priestly, just a priestly prayer, (laughs) like a priestly prayer, and he dies with his friend with him, so, um, which is nice, which is nice of Father Dyer, that, that flamboyant guy. 
flamboyant man. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so now we flash, flash forward into the future, and um, they're they're moving out of the house. Uh, Chris's assistant Sharon finds that medallion, the same medallion that Marin found at the beginning of the movie, that Karis was wearing throughout the whole movie. So is that medallion supposed to be possessed? Like, is that I don't think it's possessed. I don't think. I don't think it's supposed to be possessed. I'm not really sure, like, what the point of that was. Um, I think it's just kind of supposed to be left open to interpretation. Mm. Um, so, she, yeah, she gives the medallion to Chris. They're leaving the house. Father Dyer shows up. And uh, well, Chris was also like, I don't want this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this. You uh-huh. have it. Yeah, she, well, she, yeah, she eventually gives it to Father Dyer. Um, but she's, she's telling him that... Reagan has no recollection of what happened, which wouldn't that be nice if you, you could just forget the embarrassing shit you did? Oh, when... all the time, all the time. <laughs> yeah, she's lucky, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, look, so like, do you, do you think like her vagina still fucked up? Probably. Like that sucks for her. I don't know. She's probably gonna have some like neck issues. Yeah. Like, how did she survive the neck turning around? Like, did did Pazuzu grant her like? temporarily like immortality i don't know well maybe maybe because i guess demons are sort of immortal you know so maybe (laughs) um and then so chris gets in the car reagan comes to say goodbye to father dyer and she gives him a kiss on the cheek and it's kind of insinuated that maybe she's kind of put on the path of religion or catholicism um, so they drive away, and then Chris calls Father Dyer over because she stops the car, and she's like, hey, come take this medallion. I think Karis would have wanted you to have it. And she's like, nah, bruh, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the last scene is of Father Dyer walking around the stairs that Karis was found dead. Um and he looks up at Reagan's window, and that's kind of just the end of it. Nice. What a what a great movie. It was a honestly. great movie. That was your first time watching it? That was my first time watching it. It was pretty good. Um, I thought it was kind of funny in some scenes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, unlike in the 70s, I definitely would not have passed out like all those people did. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? They were but like... it was it was a good movie, I think. I can definitely tell why it's like a cult classic, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, there were at the at the premiere of The Exorcist, they were handing out like barf bags. But I don't know. I do think that's part part hype because I I've heard about that with recent movies that have come out. Like this movie's so scary, people vomited. And you know, we all know people these days are desensitized. We and we're so. all a little bit more like. <laughs> imagine if they watched Hereditary. Oh my god! This, but you know what also came out in the seventies was Cannibal Holocaust. I've never seen that. that uh, well, that's on our crazy. watch list. They kill okay. actual animals in that oh movie. Oh my god! So wait, I don't know. Wait, wait. They kill. They kill they, actual animals. Like for the for movie. The movie. Yes, that is so fucked up. Because I think there probably weren't like good laws in place. But yeah, that Whoa. movie came out in the seventies. That is so. I don't even think I want to watch that. If that's I'm, the case. I'll probably have to make you watch it. I've never seen it. I don't. I haven't really I don't wanted to. That. But leave the animals alone. Leave them alone. Um, but yeah, so that came out in the 70s, so <laughs> if they're throwing up and bu- passing out from The Exorcist, I wonder what, um, 
you know, <laughs> what the reaction was you to know, Cannibal those, Holocaust. Those people are still alive, so they could have well watched Hereditary. Yeah. And all the crazy shit. Yeah, maybe. So. But anyway, so I guess the point of the movie um, was uh, William Peter Blatty, he, his mother actually had died, so I think that's kind of some inspiration for Father Karras, and he's, it's kind of like, um, it's supposed to be an optimistic book about religion, in a sense. An optimistic book about yeah. religion? Huh. Yeah. You know, finding I guess, faith. I guess yeah. I see that. Yeah. It's kind of jumbled it's, with it's the also possession, kinda, but. Yeah, it's kind of insinuated, I guess, that Chris and Reagan are possibly going to become religious after that, or at least, like, follow God, right? Because as you're watching the movie, um, you know, they're not religious at all. In fact, they kind of specifically go out of their way to be like, what are we doing on Sunday? Oh, we're, we're going to go see a movie. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So it is kind of more um, supposed to be a little bit more of a religious movie. Um, but he, Blatty did want Friedkin to be the director, to have a sort of agnostic point of view on it, mm-hmm. to give it more of that documentary-like feel. Yeah. I, I'd like to think... I like to think that, like, if a priest or even just a religious person found an, an atheist and they were like, well, I'm an atheist or agnostic, they would be like, watch The Exorcist. Watch The Exorcist. It'll, it'll, it'll change, change your, your mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, really good movie. Uh, really good book. Um, I enjoyed both of them a lot. Uh, any last words, Paris? The power of Christ compels you. All right, I'm going to go stab myself in the vagina with the crucifix. I only do that on Saturdays. And we'll see you next time. Bye.